That's right. It's the morning show right here on ABC News Radio, KMET, 1490 AM. Joining our live TV audience over there at KVVB TV, Channel 33, Facebook Live, Periscope TV, LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live, Roku TV, Apple TV, Alexa, Firestick. You know what? I'm so used to saying the old thing. Actually, I have to remind everybody we are no longer on KVVB. Old habits die hard. Uh, however, KMET, 1490 AM is definitely where it's at. Facebook, YouTube. LinkedIn, and also, of course, um, Periscope TV. So we appreciate each and every one of you. On today's show, a little bit later on, we're going to be talking about uh, a really cool, uh, actually, pay service, which will be talking to an expert over there, homework and study at home during the pandemic. Jeannie Walden's going to be joining us to talk about daily pay. It allows for both uh, the boss and employees to succeed during the challenging times when it comes to getting paid properly and uh, we'll be talking about that just around the corner as well of around the corner though we're going to be talking to two film composers part of a really cool project called train stop and train stop unfortunately like many films out there i if you remember we had a filmmaker lorena gordon who spent time with us a few weeks back and although most filmmakers are ready to show their great pieces of art and or film or short film or long form film, typically in film festivals around this time, during a pandemic, how do you pivot so that other people can not only participate, but you can get your film seen? Obviously, we're seeing a lot of online virtual viewing parties as well, but what do you do with the potential of making it a drive-in theater? So we'll be talking just around the corner uh, in just a bit to uh, these two really great musicians as well and talking about just the whole lineup of films so we'll be talking about that in just a bit first of all though we got lots of news happening over there and one of the top latest ones is the uh, kenosha wisconsin shooting of course jacob blake and there's a lot of violence occurring of course in wisconsin and uh, surrounding the father of this man was shot in uh apparently in the back by police in kenosha wisconsin the father says his son was left paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, he told his, he said that his son was shot eight times during the Sunday evening confrontation with police, which, of course, was captured on cell phone video, led to two nights of unrest in the city between Milwaukee and Chicago. Uh, Jacob Blake, uh, who's driving from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Kenosha to be with his son, told the newspaper he learned Sunday night that his officers or that the officers had shot his son eight times that he saw the video of it online a few minutes later. He said his son now has eight holes in his body, is paralyzed from the waist down, though doctors do not know if the paralysis will be permanent. Anger, of course, over the shooting of him by police spilled into the streets of Kenosha for the second night, uh, with police again firing tear gas at hundreds of protesters who defied the curfew, threw bottles, shot fireworks at law enforcement guarding the courthouse. It is a very terrible scene to see uh, as of late. However, obviously, there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered, and these things are being uh, done, hopefully, in and around the time period that we're living in. All that I can say is please do not throw caution to the wind. If you're in any one of these areas, be safe inside. Try to stay inside. Don't put yourself in harm's way, and uh, let's let justice be served as however it is going to be seen so uh with that though i want to switch gears entirely different we got mr jesse sanchez over there good morning jesse good morning 
obviously lots of stuff going on in the world but you know switching gears entirely when's the last time you've been to a drive-in uh it's been years years i gotta say i think it's time for you and your lady friend if you know what i mean wink wink uh to go to this drive-in and check it out it's happening it's actually happened all week and last week and of course this brings up to the finale of this week so you're definitely going to want to go check that out Joining me right now are two great guests of a particular project uh, named Train Stomp. It's a romantic short film. It's currently being entered in several film festivals. And joining us right now, we've got both of these great people, Maria Newman and Scott Hansfield. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. It's so wonderful to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you. Look, I, I understand uh, the both of you. Are, are both of you there with us or just one? Uh, just Maria at the moment, but Scott can always be brought right into our conversation. Well, you know, I, well, then this is yeah. great because I want to ask you, of course, you are no stranger to the film world, especially when it comes to music. But I understand in Train Stop, you actually, instead of just playing in an arrangement, you compose in part this, uh, the music to this great film. How, what's the process like? I don't think I've ever talked to a composer. Well, that, that's, it is such an honor to have been, first of all, connected to such a great film and to work with James Babin, who is the, you know, conceiver of the film and the producer and wonderful actor. Uh, and I believe James is with us this morning as well, or will be. But um, I am. To, to write the music to something that is uh, so fantastic is a huge honor and pleasure, and especially working with somebody like James, where he actually asks for real input from the composer. So when you're so intrinsically moved by what's going on in film, the music can really just flow out of you. And that's definitely what happened at Trainstop, in addition uh, to the fact that uh, the idea was that these two people were meeting in this station uh, gave me some ideas for, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of train motion in the music. So uh, even though you never see a train, uh, we do have a little bit of an allusion to uh, train music. And uh, Scott, now I, I hear you're there with uh, Scott Hosfield. Uh, now, Scott, obviously you're bringing on this project as well. Uh, what was that like, of course, working together on this? But, but more importantly, what was that like all of a sudden when you're like, you have this film project done and you're like, oh man, nobody's going to see it. But now they can. Right. I'm sorry. This is Maria speaking for Scott because um, for uh, some reason he is not right here with me at the moment. Uh, but yes, uh, working together, the uh, we are a husband and wife team, but we didn't start out that way. We met as both as performers and uh, as composers um, doing music festivals in the summer. And music festivals always take you, of course, to these wonderful exotic locales and sometimes just right next door. In this case, Scott and I met in the Cascade Mountains at the Icicle Creek Music Center and these basically in the Enchantment Mountains of uh, Leavenworth, Washington. And uh, so to, to work together first as, as friends, platonic friends, and then um, moving in to work together as husband and wife was actually for us a really great thing. I can't imagine not being married to another musician. So, uh, so we really, um, I don't know, we can, we can read each other's thoughts. Of course, we can uh, get in fights and kiss and make up. 
wink, wink, as we were saying earlier about the drive-in. And uh, so we have a great time working together. And Scott uh, brings a lot of things to the table that I, Maria, uh, don't bring. And so I think between the two of us, we really uh, can, uh, you know, fit in the key into the keyhole um, and say, well, I, I think you're on the wrong track here or you're on the right track. And um, I love working with Scott. Well, and, and let's talk about this, uh, which I've been saying for quite some time, right at the beginning of, I want to say April, I remember having this conversation, I says, you know, drive-ins are going to make a resurgence, and it would make sense for more places, even places that are in shopping areas, and I think we're starting to see this, where they actually are making it a, a, a movie experience, which kind of takes us back to the nostalgia of... I want to say the 1950s, 1930s. And, and so what's that like being able to be now in a drive-in type setup? And have you been to one prior to this particular Method Fest? Uh, well, you're talking to me right now, right, to, to Maria? Um, I, you know, I have to say I love drive-in. So uh, I've... I've being a Los Angelino, of course, I spent a whole lot of time in my car. Um, oh, we Sorry, got... we're, we're having uh, technical difficulties there. I think uh, he, your your significant other uh, is is having connections. But but continue, please. Are you there with us? Okay, it looks like. All right, never mind. I guess we just uh, dropped the call there, but uh, we'll try to get her back as well. Again, if you're just tuning in, the Method Fest is happening this uh, week. You can get tickets to all the great uh, films. And again, the Method Fest has been around for quite some time. Unfortunately, they haven't had a particular ability to go back to the way it was in the movie theaters. Now, you're talking to two film composers of this particular short, which is Train Stop. It's a romantic short film. It's been entered in several film festivals, but of course, like most film festivals, they usually put these things on the back burner as usually everybody likes to be seen in the movie theaters themselves. I hope we got uh, our guests ready over there. Jesse, do we have them? Okay, we, uh, we got James back and we're working on Maria. Okay, all right. Uh, joining me right now, hopefully, is James Babin. Good morning, welcome to the show, James. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, look, James, I understand you wanted to kick off uh, your significant other. She said nothing but good things about you, by the way. Uh, I heard. What's it like working on a project that gets to be seen now at the drive-in? Um, I think it's amazing. Um, basically, you know, it's been very hard, as you know, with the entire industry. And... We got in, usually March and April, we were very fortunate. We got into about five film festivals. Um, we did Ashland, that went online, and kudos to the people at the Method Film Fest for making this happen um, and to be able to drive it. Who doesn't want to be that? Yeah, well, you, you know, and I, I just said, you know, to, to Maria, I said it's, it's a fun throwback to the 1950s, 19, uh, even 1980s, I remember going to the drive-in. I remember seeing Star Wars with my family. And oh, wow. I was, like, blown away, <laughs> and I was a little kid. But the drive-in really has kind of a special place in American cinema, yet it's kind of nice to be able to go to at least something like that versus nothing at all, right? I agree. I mean, you know, I've been, like, craving to go to a movie. This is actually going to be the first thing I've done outside of 
work or anything like that in quite a while. And, you know, the drive-ins are such a big, big part of Americana, and it's very, very iconic to do. And, you know, it's been interesting. I've been reading. I know there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, I think also in the L.A. Times, about how drive-ins during the pandemic have had a bit of a renaissance because it's really the only thing people can do at this point in many parts of the country. Well, and, and let's talk. Uh, I think we got Maria. So both of you are I'm there, hopefully. Yeah. Maria, are you there with us? Here too. Okay. So obviously, this. Let's, let's talk about train stop. I, I understand it's a romantic short. When this was brought to the both of you, how do you develop? the music for a film do you watch the whole thing and then you think on it it's like a weekend and then you go okay i think we're, oh, how do, what's the process either one of you can answer that well as like the exec producer and the, you know and the person who guided it through and as an actor you know we adapted it and you know something needs you know music enhances the stories of films in a way that I don't even think the audience recognizes. And if you, uh, one thing Maria did and Scott did with his musical production and direction, is he really brought it to life. Um, you know, one of the challenges, Train Stop was a play originally. You bring it to film, you have to make sure the audience has that cinematic experience and the music tells the story of that. Yeah, that's com completely agreed uh, on, on my end. Uh, I'm thinking that um, it's really wonderful when a producer and director and, uh, and musician, composer, agree on what is to happen. And that was a really beautiful symbiosis between all of us in this, in this project. I think we felt we were speaking the same uh, language. And then we all loved the, the source, the play. We loved it. Well, and look, I, I, I am a sucker for getting uh, films, especially the soundtracks. Are we going to look at any, like, additional, is there a way we can even, if we just love the music, we can go and get it? James, do you want me to answer that? Yes. Okay, well, because it's a short film, uh, we we obviously only have, you know, there's not enough, quote-unquote, to make, I mean, we were talking about 1950s, so maybe talk about LPs for a minute. We're not going to go um, and get a, an LP or a CD uh, of the soundtrack, So, uh, but it's not impossible that you've given us a great idea to put something together that would maybe be music of short films, you know, with other projects, et cetera, or um, maybe James, it, you're giving him an idea. Maybe James would like to get something together now so that we can have the eight minutes of, of music uh, available to, uh, to our audiences as well. Yeah, we could yeah. do an MP3. Why not? Um, exactly. Get it streaming. Yeah. You know, I, I, in the look, great I, Maria, you know, it should and I wish there were more Maria of it. I know that financially it was not one of the things that a lot of film companies started to do once CDs were kind of starting to wane. But I think a lot of people have a lot of time at home right now and we need a lot of entertainment. So what's next for the both of you? James? Uh, well, for me, there is an old radio play that I found. Um, that I'm interested in to adapting for the pandemic. Um, you know, it's called Sorry, Wrong Number. And, you know, it's about a woman who, you know, ends up listening to a murder plot, and then gradually she finds out that it's hers and nobody believes her. So I was thinking of maybe adapting that to modern times. You know, what if you had a BIPOC, you know, some 
other kind of um, ethnicity who's not normally believed in these times, and they're alone and isolated in the pandemic. Um, and that's actually that that like occurred to me, and that that's actually something I really would like to uh, develop and do. I, look, I don't see why not. If you're just joining us, we're joined by executive producer James Babin and also composer Maria Newman. Um, Maria, before we let you go, I, I, I understand you've been an ensemble on a lot of major films. What was your favorite one? Because I understand you got a couple superhero films you were able to be a part of. <laughs> you are so right. You know, we're the parents of five kids. Can you believe it? Uh, Scott and myself. So we have really loved working on uh, – we're heroes to our kids. Talk about superheroes. Uh, not – not related to Robert Downey Jr., but, but we are related to Randy Newman, and we loved playing all of the Toy Story films and Bugs Life and Monsters, Inc. and Monsters University. I could go on and on and on with all those amazing uh, Pixar productions that uh, have made us heroes to our children. Uh, well, that's definitely something that people want to see. But more importantly, this week, I think the Method Fest is what people want to see. People can get tickets right now. It's all available, methodfest.com. Go get your tickets. I, I want to say thank you. I apologize for the little phone mishaps, but technology is what it is. Uh, James, Maria, be safe over there and give our love to your family, okay? Thank you stay so safe, much for having us today. And it was, it was just a pleasure. I'm looking forward to the drive-in. I live in my car or did before the pandemic, <laughs> you know, driving to all the studios, et cetera. So this is going to be so exciting, and I hope I'll see everybody on August 30th. Well, if you both park in the back, you could kind of, you know, like spice it up a little. Okay, I'll oh, see you guys later. Sure Bye. <laughs> hey, make it a date night. Why not? Exactly. Why not? Leave the kids at home. Or they can have their own car. You know, some of them are old enough to drive. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs> Thanks so we much, to Take a quick break here on The Morning Show. We'll be back, right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Right here on ABC News Radio, KMET 1490 AM, joining our official live audience there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and much, much more. We appreciate each and every one of you if you're just joining us. Method Fest is where it's at. If you're looking for something to do maybe this weekend and you could do so, it's actually happening all week. All you have to do is just go ahead and find them. They are at themethodfest.com. Get the tickets there, and you can go ahead and participate and have a lot of fun. Again, drive-ins are all the rage right now, and rightly so. I mean, think about it. You can, like, take the family and or make it a date night. Wink, wink. You know what I mean? And, uh, look, all, all I've got to say is uh, have fun participating. Okay, lots of stories, including uh, some latest news over there in the newsroom. And uh, this is a, a very sad one that I've been seeing. Opioid overdoses on the rise despite telemedicine. According to this latest story, new data is acquiring uh, is showing that a concerning number of Americans have died from overdoses ever since March. Over the same time frame, telehealth has been rapidly implemented, hailed as a solution to providing health care safely. But why is this not necessarily working out? So a lot of questions that need answers. According to uh, Sassan Gohar said, I think privacy and security will remain a significant challenge. There exists a gap in detailed guidelines, policies for oversight, and standards for telehealth privacy and security that need to be fulfilled. How do we connect marginalized populations with addiction care and move the needle forward? 
According to this article, it says we need to bring something back called phone booths, and they need to have Wi-Fi in them. So, uh, again, there is, of course, positive news, and then there is the sad side of things. So, please, if you are taking any type of opioids, again, for pain, please make sure to do so responsibly. And, again, I know minus just eliminating them all together, uh, pain meds are necessary, and yet having overdoses is not a good thing. So, of course, that's good. We're going to be watching uh, quite closely. We got to take another break. We'll be right back right after these messages with a service that allows for employees and bosses to really get along. We'll talk about that next year on The Morning Show. Stay tuned. That's right. It's the morning show right here on ABC News Radio, KMT fourteen ninety AM. Joining our live studio audience, virtually that is, on Facebook, Periscope, and of course YouTube, LinkedIn Live. We appreciate each and every one of you. Again, if you're just joining us, MethodFest.com. You could go ahead and check out the film festival, which is normally in a movie theater. But you know what? They did the next best thing: take it to a drive-in. Which I say, you know what? More power to them. I would just like to see an additional uh, really cool service, which is there's a lot of neat services out there uh, which allow for you to be able to watch films online and safely. So I know that they usually charge a pretty high dollar, but who knows? Maybe I'll make a call to them and uh, hook some other film festivals up with them. Uh, but if you're just joining us, we appreciate you. There's lots of news stories happening right now. And here is one that I thought, you know what? This is a good change from the rest of the news. Uh, Palmdale. Palmdale is actually being considered as a permanent headquarters for United States Space Force. I don't know how you feel about the whole Space Force theme name. I think they could have done a little bit better. However, Los Angeles County Supervisor Catherine Barger is behind the effort, formally submitted the city's nomination last week. According to what she wrote this, she said, Los Angeles County has greatly contributed to the advancement of the aerospace industry and space exploration through many institutions such as Boeing, Lockheed Martin, uh, Northrop Grumman, Edwards AFB, Los Angeles AFB, uh, NASA facilities, JPL Caltech, United States Air Force Plant 42, nothing like the other one the hidden one in Nevada, which have endeavored to support aerospace efforts. Palmdale and the Antelope Valley have been highlighted for a long history of advancing the aerospace industry and space exploration. According to Representative Mike Garcia of Santa Clarita, says this, we would proudly refer to the Antelope Valley as the Aerospace Valley because of its long and distinguished history as the cradle and proving grounds of aerospace and space innovation. It is the home of generations of test pilots breaking the sound barrier, astronauts testing the lunar landing research vehicle, and commercial aerospace companies testing privately owned spacecraft. So uh, for those wondering, of course, the Space Force has been a hot topic for quite some time. The site, though, would organize, train, and supply military forces and assets to the U.S. Space Command headquarters, which will lead military space operations. The next phase of the evaluation process will score communities based on how they relate to the mission, infrastructure capacity, community support, and overall cost to the Air Force, Palmdale officials have said. Colorado Springs, Colorado remains the location for the provisional headquarters for U.S. Space Command headquarters until a permanent headquarters location is selected and facilities are ready in approximately six years. Jesse, do you know what the U.S. Uh, Space Command is supposed to do for us here in the American people? I have no idea. 
I'll be honest. It sounds cool, huh? You're like, this is, this, I just, but I just, I got questions that need to be answered. So uh, we'll talk about that another time. I don't think this is the, the time or place. Look, I am all for space exploration. Let's just make sure to fix the things here in our home. And uh, let's try to not spread a virus over into another Martian category. All right. I'll be here all week, folks. Seriously. Oh, why are you bringing your virus to us? This is terrible. All right, uh, but the rest of you, uh, look, we got lots of stories. Uh, here's another one, which I've been actually uh, watching for quite some time, and it is this one. Uh, Jesse, I don't know about you, but I am scared. Not, I don't want to say to death, but scared to to be continued to be alive, because. I don't know about you, but if you all of a sudden woke up and you saw that they wanted to like embalm you, what would you say? Wait. Uh, I wait. If I, they embalmed me, wouldn't I be dead? Would you though? That would be the hope, right? So a young woman who was declared dead at her suburban Detroit home opened her eyes. I'm not making this up, people. At a funeral home, as she was about. To be embalmed, the fire department and lawyer. She's. I guarantee you, her lawyer's like, I scored. The doctor pronounced the patient deceased based upon medical information provided from the scene. The Southfield Fire Department said, but the woman was later found to be breathing. According to Jeffrey Feger, said the family's lawyer. I'm telling you, this this man's like, thank you, thank you. I needed some money. They would have begun draining her blood. To be very, very frank about it. The fire department acknowledged it was involved in a bizarre set of events Sunday that began when a medical crew was summoned to a home where a 20-year-old, oh, she's so young, woman was unresponsive. Paramedics tried to revive the woman for 30 minutes and consulted an emergency room doctor. The Southfield Fire and Police Departments followed all appropriate city, county, and state protocols and procedures in this case. That's according to the department. You know they're going... Oh my God, how are we gonna live this one down? It said an investigation is underway. Well, I don't know what type of investigation you need. She's alive. They vowed to provide as much transparency as possible. The Oakland County Medical Examiner's Office said the, Monday, the body could be released to the family without an autopsy. But then came the startling discovery at the James H. Cole Funeral Home in Detroit. The woman was still alive more than an hour later. Uh, they said they called the emergency medical crew, the funeral home, and they said our staff confirmed she was breathing. You think once they opened their eyes, I'm pretty sure that's breathing. Figer, who was hired by the family, identified the woman as Tamisha Bochamp or Bochamp. I'm not sure. Uh, they, according to this, they said they were about to embalm her, which is most frightening. Had she not had her eyes open? The funeral home unzipping the body bag. Literally, that's what happened to Tamisha and seeing her alive with her eyes open. Figer didn't return a message from the Associated Press. Boat Camp was in critical condition on Monday night, said Brian Taylor. Of course, Erica Lattimore, who is the mother, says, My heart is so heavy, someone pronounced my child dead, and she's not even dead. Southfield said it's conducting an internal investigation, but insisted that the fire and police departments follow their procedures. Jesse, what would you do if you woke up and they were about to embalm you? I would freak out. I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I feel bad for that mortician because I'm pretty sure I would have screamed like a girl and I would have ran away. I would have been like, zombies! And just like... I, I, 
this is this is one of my biggest fears. This isn't the first time I've ever heard of this. This has happened in some lands, and I'm just like, can you please just keep poking me? Like, give me a good 24 hours to wake up, and don't like put me in one of those cold drawers, because then I'll be stuck. I'll be like, get me out of here, and then I'll be suffocated, and then I'm dead for life. So I I need this investigation proven. People yep. have said no, Aaron. You're completely just you know re- overreacting. I'm gonna say uh, no. That's a thing. It happened recently. So be careful out there, people. It's a crazy, crazy world. And I'm just glad she will op- open her eyes at the right time. Because imagine that, Jesse. Okay, right? I need to take a break. I seriously need to regroup. I can't even think straight. We'll be right back right after these messages with more right here of The Morning Show. Stay careful out there, people. Oh, my goodness. Welcome back. Yes, it is the morning show here on ABC News Radio, KMET 1490 AM. Joining, of course, our live audience over there on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Periscope, LinkedIn, YouTube, and much, much more. Let's see. We've got people uh, asking questions in social media. We thank you. Let's see. I'm going to scroll down to the very bottom. Uh, Let's see. Isaiah says, I live in Southfield, Michigan, and uh, there are a lot of delusional people in the area. There's also, the screamer saying, uh, yeah, there are some pretty scary stuff, so be careful out there. If you're just joining us, we shared an article about a poor lady who was pronounced dead. Later on, found out she wasn't dead when she opened her eyes, and they were about to embalm her. And embalming is not a fun thing for any human being, especially if you were found alive. So we got comments in social media. Let's see. Let's go to our Facebook Live over there. We've got uh, Maria Yankopoulos, who's tuning in, says, oh, my God, that's crazy stuff. And uh, we've got Rosalie tuning in as well. Thank you. We've got Mahi tuning in. Diana Carbajal. Thank you. Stephanie Ree. Shrihari tuning in. I think, I believe from, is that, that's Nepal, right? Lucy Nickel tuning in says, good morning. Not sure I have enough juice to listen. Didn't charge my phone last night. I will listen as long as I can. Have an awesome day. Uh, which, of course, begs the question, make sure that you have the right type of what, what do you have one, Jesse? That do you have like a power bank that you like live and swear by? Unfortunately, I do not. I should buy a power bank. So yeah, they're good to have. Uh, Maria also is tuning in from Canada, Essex. So uh, thanks for tuning in as well from Canada. Okay, so uh, lots of stories. Let me go over to some uh, world news because you know, like I say, we're always in a we're not don't put yourself in a bubble right uh do the research and um, i posted something on facebook just yesterday and then there was another one that i says "Uh oh this is not good either so i'm going to go to this one first a military option to deal with transgressions by the chinese army in ladakh is on the table india's chief of defense staff general bipin rawat has said while adding it will be exercised only if talks between the two armies and the diplomatic option fail again i have been sharing this for quite some time China and India are poised for war. What does that mean for us on the home front? I see many people going, I'm pretty sure the U.S. is going to stay out of it. Yet the U.S. has already taken their side that they will back up India against China if this goes next level. India and China have held several rounds of military and diplomatic talks in the last two and a half months, but no significant headway has been made and resolution of the border row. And then this story, which I thought, wait, what? Uh, I'm going to wait on this one, but the headline says uh, Kim Jong-un is in a coma and his sister is set to take control of North Korea. That's according to a South Korean diplomat. Now, as I mentioned before, I think I mentioned earlier on or maybe it was late last week that there was a lot of power going to all of a sudden be given 
to his sister. And I, look, no truth to the rumor, I think Kim Jong-un needs to stay alive because I feel he's the sane one in the family. Yes, I'm saying it, and I'm saying it loud and for real. Because that woman has just, we don't want her in power. That's all I got to say. Uh, I, I feel as though if that happens, there's going to be a lot of problems with North Korea and the U.S. and, of course, other countries as well. She looks like the one that just would kill you in a movie. You, you know what I mean? The way, Okay. Do you remember Kill Bill, Jesse? Yes, I do. There was one where she was, I think it was played by uh, Lisa Ling. Wait, was it Lisa Ling? Who? I, okay, remember the Asian lady Lucy played Lou. a very, like, she wanted to cut you, you, everything off of you. Oh, not the, the, the schoolgirl one. Remember oh, the Oh, her. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's Kim Jong-un's sister. I'm, kid, I'm, I'm not even joking. Again, my opinions are mine only. And look, they're isolated. They don't, even, they don't watch the show. So it's okay. Don't don't tell the friend of the friend of the family member, okay? Uh, but there you go. I'm just saying. I just You got to be careful with that. So I just hope Kim Jong-un actually gets better because I think he's going to keep his sister quite sane. If he does not get out of that coma, if that's real news, and I don't know if that's fake news or real news or propaganda, but all I got to say is... Be careful over there. Okay. Uh, look, there's other stories as well like this one. Let me go to something that y'all can use. Um, I'm going to go to something that many of you are, of course, wondering about. And it is, again, coronavirus. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And this uh, particular story is uh, currently out. Tuscaloosa closes bars after many university cases. Again, the universities for quite some time have been wanting to go back to the way it was. However, they're starting to see a spike once again. So according to this story, the mayor of Tuscaloosa announced that the city is closing bars for the next two weeks after University of Alabama officials described an unacceptable rise in COVID-19 cases that could derail plans to continue the semester on campus. Tuscaloosa Mayor Walt Maddox announced the closures along with the end of bar service at restaurants during a news conference with campus officials. Maddox said university officials requested the action. Maddox said an unchecked spread of the virus threatens both the healthcare system and the local economy if students are sent home for the semester to do remote learning. Maddox said this quote, the truth is that fall in Tuscaloosa is in serious jeopardy. The university did not immediately release case numbers but school officials said there has been a rapid rise in cases, particularly among fraternities and sororities. So look, as much as I'm ready to go back to the way it was, as I keep saying, you gotta be careful and we have to learn from one another. Uh, then there's another story right here. COVID-19 weight gain may weaken the immune system. This is the latest uh, study. A few months into the coronavirus pandemic, Dr. Elizabeth Clotus who is a preventative cardiologist and the owner of Step One Foods, saw a longtime patient, a 70-year-old man, who showed up to the appointment 18 pounds heavier than he was on the last visit. He told her, quote, I have gained the COVID-19. Now, the phrase is COVID-19 and quarantine 15, uh, commonly referred to as freshman 15, refer to a societal acceptance of weight gain during the pandemic. Dietitians and doctors like Clotus, though, have noticed the trend and I've begun to fear that the rate of obesity and its associated chronic health conditions will continue to rise, worsening the established public health crises in America. According to Dr. Mark Hyman, who is a New York Times bestselling author and the 
head of strategy and innovation of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine said this, quote, there needs to be a massive public health initiative to educate people about the need for improved nutrition in the midst of the pandemic. I think that this is such a critical moment and essential for U.S., or I'm sorry, for us and the U.S., to double down on our nutritional quality in our diet. People are completely neglectful that it is a way of preventing COVID-19. So obviously, not that you get COVID-19 and then you get weight, but unfortunately, let's face it, uh, I've been on the opposite end. I'm like, I cannot let it happen. So I'm actually trying to lose as much weight as possible, work out, and then, of course, increase my cardio through uh, martial arts and gun training coming up around the corner because I'm trying to get more busy than just uh, living a sedentary life. However, it's quite difficult for many, and I understand that. So, again, just uh, be aware. Again, it's better to at least try to eat as, as good as possible, which I get it, man. When you are faced with money issues and trying to pay down, like sometimes the cheapest thing I would eat is spam and rice. Uh, so there you go. I get it. Um, and then there is this uh, app is telling students if they're exposed to COVID-19. Now, this is actually an interesting app. It's the, from the University of, uh, well, let me read this first. When the University of Arizona opened their doors, more than 8,300 students, faculty, and staff had been tested for COVID-19. Everyone on campus was wearing a mask. The school had begun sampling their wastewater to quickly detect a potential hotspot. The centerpiece in the school's preemptive battle was the COVID Watch smartphone app, which uses Bluetooth technology to send an alert to someone's phone if they are exposed to the virus. According to Tina White, one of the app's creators who got her master's degree from the University of Arizona in 2009 said this, we're not a contact tracing app because nobody's actually being traced or tracked. We're an exposure notification app, which is fully anonymous. To the technological layperson, though, this may seem like a distinction without a difference, but to White and the other engineers who crowd-built the app, it's crucial to make a privacy a pretty big part of the app's most elemental code. Uh, according to the latest there, of course, people are looking for technologies that can help the rest of us without infringing upon your normal privacy rights, What, right? Although I would say if you look at your Google apps and a lot of your tracking systems, they actually know where you go, when you go, and how you go. You didn't even know. Uh, but according to this, uh, Robbins, who is the president, Robert Robbins, of University of Arizona said this, we were the demonstration project for the Google Apple COVID app using Bluetooth technology. Nobody's ever tried this before. It's the first test case in the country as a university campus. But the danger, according to Robbins, is not limited to what happens on campus. He said this, what we cannot control is what happens off campus. And that's what's got everyone so concerned and got me concerned. We're going to give it our best shot to get our campus through. Of course, I think that is prior to the other news, which we just said all on the same day, by the way. But there you go. Um, and then there's this one. FDA commissioner is uh, kind of apologizing over there for overstating plasma effect on the virus. Responding to an outcry from medical experts, Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Stephen Hahn on Tuesday apologized for overstating the life-saving benefits of treating COVID-19 patients with convalescent plasma. Scientists and medical experts have been pushing back against the claims about the treatment since President Donald Trump's announcement on Sunday that the FDA had decided to issue emergency authorization for convalescent plasma taken from patients who have recovered from the coronavirus and rich in antibodies. Trump hailed the decision, as he often does, 
as a historic breakthrough, even though the treatment's value has not yet been established. Again, don't throw caution to the wind, and remember, people need to get tested. Uh, the announcement on the eve of Trump's Republican National Convention raised suspicions that it was politically motivated to offset critics of the president's handling of the pandemic. Han had echoed Trump in saying that 35 more people out of 100 would survive the coronavirus if they were treated with the plasma. That claim vastly overstated preliminary findings of Mayo Clinic observations. Hans Mekopa comes at a critical moment uh, for the FDA, which under intense pressure from the White House is responsible for deciding whether upcoming vaccines are safe and effective in preventing COVID-19. The 35% figure drew condemnation from other scientists and some former FDA officials who called on Han to correct the record. So Han tweeted this. Again, tweeting is not official, but whatever. Says this, I have been criticized for remarks I made Sunday night about the benefits of convalescent plasma. The criticism is entirely justified. What I should have said better is that the data show a relative risk reduction, not an absolute risk reduction. The FDA made the decision based on data, of course, that the Mayo Clinic collected from hospitals around the country that were using plasma on patients in wildly varying ways. There was no comparison group of untreated patients uh, meaning no conclusions can be drawn about overall survival. But look, like I keep saying, just because it's said, and it's, ah, there we go, there's the answer, doesn't mean it's the 100% answer. Again, talk to the professionals. Seriously, President Trump, come on. You're, you've got, even if nobody votes for you, which I have a feeling you're going to get a pretty good majority vote just because it's, I, I recently saw a number which, Jesse, I'm going to pull up right now, and I thought, wait, what? That can't be right. And yet I get it and I understand it at the same time. And it is this. Um, somebody posted this according to a statistic. 150 million are registered voters. That's out of a population of close to, I think, 370 million. 150 out of, like, that's what, less than half, right? So, and those are registered voters. Are they all going to vote? Are they just going to say, eh, not this time. I just, I'm, I'm done with it all. I don't know. I got questions. What do you think, Jesse? That people are going to be, why, what's the point of voting? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, that's the reason why we're in the mess what they were in, right? It's the fact that people aren't voting. They're letting other people pick to put those people in. So, Yeah, I just, look, uh, vote with your heart, vote with your mind, and vote with your... Facts. Uh, yeah, thank you. Don't thank use you. your heart. You know what? I couldn't have said it better. Vote with the, but facts can be so misconstrued. And so here's what I say. Whenever you have a president that automatically calls out every other news agency out there for being fake news, why does he not want you to listen to that portion of the news? I listen to both the right and the left side and then form my own opinion. Why would you call a news outlet automatically fake news when it's partial truth and or fully truth and or, oh, that's right. I don't want to get caught. That's right. It's like a cheating husband, right? No, that's fake news that I cheated on you, honey. I did never cheated on you. Okay. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. All right, people, I love you. I appreciate you. Remember, my comments are my own. My own opinions are those of my own, not of the station. ABC News Radio, KMT, 1490 AM. Definitely not of Jesse's as well. Uh, we will see you again, same place, same channel, tomorrow, right here on The Morning Show. Thanks for making it a great one. Bye-bye, everyone.